Corinthians chapter 4. All right, I'm going to have you stand, stretch your legs a little bit. I won't keep you long tonight. We have cake and ice cream downstairs, and I will not mess with that. Praise the Lord. And uh, Mike and Debbie, you guys make sure during the, the closing prayer you slip on downstairs. Mike, I want to make sure you get a good piece of cake, okay? So, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. We're going to read the two, first two verses of this chapter together. The Bible says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse number 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's pray together, and uh, we will jump into the message. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these good folks. Father, there's a lot that's already gone on tonight. I thank you for, Lord, the privilege to pray for, for Dan. God, I pray that you bless him. God, bless his uh, life's mission there. I pray that you'd watch over him. Father, I also uh, pray for uh, just the simple fact uh, that, that we allow our hearts to be drawn closer to you. Father, what a, what a privilege to partake of the Lord's Supper. What an honor. Lord, thank you for what you did. But Lord, I pray that now we turn our attention to your word, that you'd open our eyes, that you'd touch our hearts, and Father, that you'd be very close to us this evening. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Tonight, we're going to not keep you long. Um, I don't think I'll get through all the, the notes I have for this evening. But I, I want to look tonight at stewards. Stewards. How many know what a steward is? What is a steward? Somebody that watches over something. Now, can I tell you, though, that primarily they watch over a specific area, and that would be financial or possessions, all right? Um, you go back to Genesis and you study stewardship. Joseph was a steward. He watched over the possessions and the finances of Potiphar's home. Later on, he became a steward of all that Pharaoh had. And when we were studying, going through the book of Genesis on Wednesday nights, we looked at this and how that because Joseph was a wise steward, that God blessed the men he was under. You'll also find that when Abraham was looking for a wife for his boy, Abraham called his steward unto him and sent his steward into a far country, into Abraham's homeland, to find a son or to find a wife for, for his son. And, and it's, it's, it's that steward, though, this man primarily watches over financial things. You look at the parable of the talents. These men were commanded to be good stewards of what God gave them over the talents that God provided to them. Tonight I want to look at this uh, stewardship, and I'm not going to just talk about tithing tonight. I know all of you get real nervous, all right? We already had the Lord's Supper. I'm not going to blast you out of the water, all right? But we are going to, we are going to talk about it. We're going, to, we're going to deal with it, but there's some other things I believe that we really need to look at, and I think they're very important. Folks, we, we, live, in, we live in a society that has no concept of money management. We are not, and I hate to say this, but Christians are not being wise stewards of their money. Do you know that stewardship goes beyond your 10%? Now, we'll talk about your 10% in a moment. I believe that that's the greatest thing that you're supposed to do with your money, the first thing you're supposed to do with your money. But, folks, God has a plan for all of your money. Got one, all right? Let me say it again. God has a plan for all of your money. Amen. All right, there we go. That's a little better. And with that, I'll jump microphones. Amen? Now... God has a plan. God has a plan for you and your finances. Now, I'm going to use a word, and it's a word many of you are familiar with. It's a word that many of us do not practice. It is called a budget. Um, 
I love the simple fact that God introduced Abraham to what we call commonly the tithe or 10%. I believe in that right there, God gave us the principle of a budget. He said this is where 10% of your finances are to go. 10% of your increases to go into this area. I believe it is wise for us to have a plan for the rest of our finances. And I believe biblically, and I'm going to try to give you not only some good principles tonight, but some good Bible to go along with it to help you to understand what we're supposed to do with our money. Now, some of you in this room, you don't need this tonight. I will say this, though, your kids and your grandkids do. Because we are living in a world that is not save now, buy later. It's buy now and pay for it for the rest of your life. All right? I, I, I love you and with all of my heart, but we've got a culture that says don't wait for anything. Go out, get whatever you want, and don't worry about the consequences. And, and it just isn't financial, all right? We have a society that just says do what you want to do and don't worry about what's coming down the road. Well, that's foolish. That's not biblical. And the Bible commands us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, it says that a steward is to be faithful. We should have a plan, and that plan, for lack of a better term, is called a budget. Now, how many of you, I, we're just going to have a little fun here, okay? So lighten up, smile, live the dream, okay? I'm not after your pocketbook. I'll get that some other time. But, but what I want to do, I want to help you tonight. I truly do, because I think this is an area we are terribly weak in. How many of you get paid once a week? Okay, that's about, about a tenth of the auditorium. How many get paid every other week? All right, we're about half. How many get paid every month? How many never get paid? All right, okay, there you go. You guys are terrible. Listen to that. I, most of them that raised their hand were kids. I never get paid. You guys, you're terrible. You get all your parents have. I know you, man. I've, those kids, they, we had the rendezvous down here a couple weeks ago, and I saw a couple kids going down there, and they each had $30. They had more than I had going down there. I said, where did you get that? Oh, my dad gave it to me. I thought, man, take me home. I'd like to meet your father. I don't know if their father knew that he had given it to them, but they had it nonetheless. So first of all tonight, we're going to start out with a budget. And by the way, a budget is a written down plan for your money. So if you get paid once a month, we'll just dive right in. Let's dive right in. I got a lot of things I want to say, and I'm not going to get to all of them tonight. But first and foremost, on your budget, on your plan for your money, what should be first? Your tithe, that should be given first to God. In Proverbs chapter 3, take your Bibles with me, use them, write these passages down, amen? They'll touch your heart. Um, I have been told, and I have read, I don't know if this is true, that one out of every seven verses in the Bible deals with finances in some way, shape, or form. Don't know if that's true, I've not checked that personally, but I do believe God has a plan for our finances, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through the sermon. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I want to say a few things about the tithe, and then we're going to move right along. But a tithe literally means a tenth. It's 10%. So what you bring home, you're supposed to give 10% to God. 10% belongs to the Lord, period. Now, I'm going to say some things about the tithe here that I want you to know. The tithe was before the law was given to Moses. All right? A lot of people say, oh, that's Old Testament law. It was before the law. And I also want to say this. It was after the law as well. Jesus, when he was asked about tithing, he, he, he was critical of the Pharisees, and he said, you do tithe of the smallest things, and you forget the weightier matters. You forget mercy and truth. And he says that over in Matthew in chapter 23, verse 23. But folks, I want to say this. The, 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 the tithe was never abolished by Christ. Never. 
In fact, you'll find that Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 told us to where our treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, the word treasure makes me think of money. I don't know about you, but that instantly makes me think of something financial. God says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus kept that going. Now, I also want to say this as far as the argument of tithing is concerned. If you take a look at New Testament Christianity versus the Old Testament law, it is very revealing. Old Testament doctrine in the New Testament is superseded by grace. The Old Testament was thou shalt not murder. The New Testament is thou shalt not look upon a man and think it in your mind. The Old Testament says thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. The New Testament says if you look on her and lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now I firmly believe that what was Old Testament was just the basis for the New Testament Christianity. And I believe that that is very easily borne out. So number one, we ought to tithe to God. I believe that's the most important debt bill, whatever you want to call it, that we owe. A tithe, and by the way, a tithe is not what you give. A tithe is what you owe. 10% belongs to God. You say, well, 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 I'm going to give it to him. You can say that. Just understand, it is God's, whether you think it is or not. And I will say this as well. God will get his tithe whether you want to give it or not. All right? God will get what belongs to him. So number one tonight, as far as your budget is concerned, tithe. Now, there's a beautiful promise given to us in the book of Proverbs. If we tithe, the Bible promises, if we give of our first fruits to God, that he will make our presses burst out with new wine and our barns will be filled with plenty. God will bless us if we honor him. If we do not honor God with our finances, God is not obligated to honor us in our finances. I want God's hand upon my life, and I want it upon, him, upon me in every possible area. I want God to bless my finances. Does anybody else want God to bless them in their finances? All right? Now, don't go buy a lottery ticket tonight after you drop $2 in the offering plate and say, now, God, you're going to help me? God's not going to probably do that. Now, if he does, you bring half the winnings to me and we'll share them. All right. Number one, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Number one, tithe. Number two, pay your bills. The Bible says in Romans 13, in verse number eight, it says to owe no man anything. Owe no man anything. But this, that is we are to love one another. All right, we are not to owe any, no man anything. In Proverbs in chapter 22, in verse number 7, we are taught a very basic principle. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs chapter 22, in verse number 7, verse number 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 22, in verse number 7, says that the borrower is servant to the lender. Folks, when you have a bill, when you have a debt, you are a slave or a servant to that person. You are indentured to them. Back in the Old Testament, if you had a debt to someone and could not pay the debt, they could come and they could take your possessions. They could also come and they could take your family. They could also come and take you. Do you remember the story of Elisha? Elisha had a little lady come to him and say, oh, the creditors are here. My husband died. We owe a lot of money. The creditors are here, and they're going to take my sons away from me. What do I do? And God was very gracious, and God blessed that woman. She pulled out all the cruises, and God filled every single one of those vessels up, and she was able to pay her debts. But, folks, i got to tell you something tonight. 
You and I have a responsibility to pay what we owe. Don't go to God at the end of the month and say, God, I need 200 more dollars. There's too much month at the end of my paycheck. I'm going to tell you this right now. You knew those bills were coming due at the beginning of the month, and yet you went out and you went to a movie. You went out and you ate at Culver's three times. You went out and bought a new entertainment system, and you said, why can't I pay my bills? Hello? You knew it was coming due. Understand that. The borrower is servant to the lender. A bill, understand this, is something you entered into knowingly. Maybe not wittingly but knowingly, and therefore you are responsible to pay it. The borrower is servant to the lender. I don't want to be a servant to any man save my God. I, I don't. I don't want to be a servant to a man. I don't want to be a servant to Tim Kozlowski. Tim's my friend, and I don't want to be a servant to him. I want to be a servant to my God, and I love Tim with all of my heart, but I don't want to be a servant. I want to be a servant to God. And yet when we owe money, when we get so far into debt, and folks, let's face it, we live in an era where, where Visa and MasterCard are catchwords in our culture, amen? We all got them, we all enjoy them, and many of us abuse the privilege of having one, don't we? I mean, we, we have just swiped that thing until you can't swipe anymore, and then you go and get a new one, amen? They just keep sending them in the mail, and you keep applying. And, and you've got to be careful of this. You're not you owe no man anything. That doesn't mean you can make the minimum payment. It means you're not supposed to owe a man anything. So pay your bills. And if you can't pay for it, for Pete's sake, don't buy it. Oh, I, th I think if I balance everything right, I can buy this new car. Why? The old one runs. I know the new one smells good. Okay? And I know it's shiny. But you're not four years old and playing with a rattle. Okay? You're supposed to be a mature adult that understands the price that you're going to pay. And so tonight, I just, I, you, you, number one, give to God. Give, give your 10% to God. It's his. Number two, you have got to pay your bills. And folks, our Christian testimony is ruined when we don't pay our bills. I understand we all fall on hard times. Oh, I understand we all go through problems. And I'm not being critical of those that have, and I'm not being critical of those that are. What I am saying, though, is if we have a bill, we ought to do what we can to pay it. And if we cannot pay it, the Bible tells us we are to go to our credit, or to, to the man we owe a debt to, and make it so he understands where we're at and that we fully intend to take care of what we owe. That's foreign to our concept today. Oh, just declare bankruptcy. Why? Could you show me in the book where it teaches that? No, we're supposed to take care of our bills. Thirdly, give. Give. You say, Pastor, you already said tithe. I know I said tithe. Now I'm saying give. Giving is different than tithing. In Malachi, in chapter 3, verse number 8, if you've got your Bibles, go, with there, uh, go there quickly. And again, I'm going as fast as I can tonight. You're, do your best to keep up with me. But Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? It says, In tithes and... It says, In tithes and, or in addition to, or also offerings. Now, there is a difference between a tithe and an offering. A tithe is what you owe. An offering is something you give of your own free will. In Acts chapter 20 and verse number 35, it is written that Jesus said often, and by the way, it's never recorded in the Gospels, but it is recorded in the books, book of Acts, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And by the way, it doesn't say it is more blessed to tithe than receive. It says it is more blessed to 
give than to receive. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, verse number 7, the Bible says that God loveth a cheerful tither. No, he loveth a cheerful giver. So number one, we need to give our tithe to God. Number two, we need to pay the bills that we owe. Number three, we need to give. Now you say, well, well, shouldn't be giving be later? I don't believe so. I think we ought to give God what's his. I think we ought to give our debtors what we owe them. And then I think we ought to give to others. I really believe that. And I think we ought to take time in our lives. And folks, I just, I just want to say this. Debt is one of the biggest killers of people giving when the Holy Spirit lays it on their heart. Satan is using finances to keep people out of God's will. You say, but, 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 when God lays something on your heart, you're supposed to do it. And we've allowed Satan to manipulate us into a very unbiblical way of thinking. And we have bought into that, and we have gotten into debt above our eyeballs, and we can't see out. And when God lays it on our heart to give someone $20 or $100, you say, God, I can't. God says, why? I gave you the ability. I told you how to do it. You ignored me. Satan is using finances to keep people out of the will of God. Fourthly tonight, and folks, I'm going quickly, but I believe this... but this has been on my heart for about three weeks now, just dealing with situations, dealing with folks. Number four, save. Save. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 22, and go there. Proverbs in chapter 13 and verse number 22, and I, I could give you so much Bible, I could inundate you with this tonight. And I know this normally would be a Wednesday night Bible study, but folks, I felt it like the Holy Spirit leading me to preach it on a Sunday night. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 22, the Bible says this. It says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Now, I believe that most importantly, you ought to leave your children a heritage of serving God and loving the Lord and Christ as Savior. I also believe that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. But I also believe, according to this verse, that we are supposed to leave an inheritance to our children and to our children's children. Okay? We are not to spend it all before we die. I found this interesting. Do you know that the word inheritance occurs 203 times in the Bible? 203 times in the Bible. That's extreme. I mean, there are some major biblical doctrines that don't occur that often. 203 times the Bible uses the word inheritance. And I know everyone doesn't refer to money alone, but folks, it is an inheritance. An inheritance is supposed to be left for those that are following behind us. And again, I already mentioned a good name, and I already mentioned serving God, but I also believe, according to this verse, because it says that the wealth of the evil is laid up for the just. That's finances. That's money. That's good. When Abraham died, uh, and Dad, I'm preaching this message to you tonight, so please pay attention. Inheritance, Dad, inheritance. But when Abraham died, do you know what he did? He left an inheritance to Isaac and to Ishmael. And it wasn't just, go get them, guys. Good luck. God be with you. He left them something, some goods and some possessions, some finances. When Isaac died, he gave to his son Jacob. When Jacob died, he gave to his sons. And folks, you follow that right down. And these men that were good men and godly men took the time to save something, to lay it up. So when their children and their grandchildren came along, they had something when daddy passed on. You say, well, well, pastor, come on now. We, we don't need to save. No, we do need to save. 
And too many of us are trying to spend it faster than it comes in. Do you know that in 2005, for the first time in United States history, we had a negative rate of saving? That means that we're spending more than we're putting in. That's kind of scary. And since 2005, it's not changed. It's gotten a little worse. Now understand something. There's, there's a problem taking place. God, and, and folks, I'm not worried about some, some, some finance guru helping us. I'm worried about us getting into the scriptures and saying, God, what would you have me to do? Number one, give God what you owe him, 10%. Number two, you give others what you owe. If you have a bill, pay it. I remember when I first came here 12 years ago, there was a man that talked to me, and he was talking about someone who had left this church, and he said, I went, I went down to McDonald's, and he said, I saw, I saw a name, a, a list of names, and on it was a member from our church that had left recently, but they owed money to that establishment. He said, I paid that bad check because I didn't think it was appropriate for a Christian not to pay his bills. I think there's wisdom in that. I don't want to be known as someone who doesn't work. I don't want to be known as someone who doesn't pay his bills. I want to be known as a person who's responsible, not wealthy. I don't want to be known as a rich man. Rich man, by the way, don't know who his friends are, okay? I don't want to be known as a wealthy man, but I do know want to be known as an honest man and a man who will pay what he said he would pay. Thirdly, give. Fourthly, save. Lastly, spend wisely. Spend wisely. Folks, I'm not against money or people that have it. In fact, I tend to like those people a lot. We need them, amen? I'm not against that. I'm not, I remember years ago, I, I knocked on a guy's door, and I visited him, and he recognized my voice from the radio broadcast that I used to do. And he said, how come you're always against rich people? I said, I'm not. And I said, if you're rich, I'd like you to come to my church. We both laughed, and I explained to him my beliefs. I, wealth riches, they don't do you any good, okay, as far as eternity is concerned, unless you use them wisely. So spend wisely. Folks, uh, spend it in a manner that lays up treasure in heaven. I'm not against nice things. I'm not against good things. I'm not, but spend it wisely. Spend it so it honors God. And folks, some of us are guilty, and I mean it, you get that, you get that check at the beginning of the month, you get that check at the beginning of the week, and it's gone by Tuesday. You got it Monday morning, and it's gone by Tuesday afternoon. It has burned a hole in your pocket. You have no extra money. You have no concept. And, and folks, I, got to, I, 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 I dealt with a man here a, a while back. He gets $1,200 a month. By the first week of the month, his money is all gone every month. And I said, sir, I said, you got to understand there's a biblical mandate on how to handle your finances. And yet many Christians just flat out ignore it. You, you talk to the grandpas and grandmas in this room. You talk to those that are senior citizens, and I'll tell you something right now. They didn't go out and buy the biggest house in the neighborhood when they were 25 years old and newly married. They didn't have the ability to keep up with the Joneses, all right? They were poor, and they were penniless. They, 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 they didn't have anything, so to speak. They had one another. They had Christ. That's all they had. You know, I, I talked about honeymoons a few weeks ago. And Jim and Marilyn are both up here tonight. But do you know where Jim and Marilyn went? How many remember? I told you where they went on their honeymoon. The Holiday Shores Motel in McGregor. You do know McGregor's about three miles over, over here. Right? You do know that McGregor's not the luxury 
honeymoon capital of the world. You are aware of that. But folks, I promise you, Jim, Jim, how old are you? 63. Maryland's a lot, a lot younger. But I can tell you this right now. The people of his generation, that's what most of them did. They went for a night to Chicago. <laughs> they went for a night to Milwaukee or Madison and really lived it up. They went out to eat and went back to the room. That's how it was. And yet today we say, well, I got to have it. I got to have it now. I got to be like my parents are now. Your parents spent 35 years getting there. And today if you ask them if they owe money, they don't. They've paid their bills. They've paid their debtors. They've honored God. They've given to others. They've pleased the Lord. They've set aside some money for an inheritance for their old age. And they are trying to please God. And somewhere along the line, our financial sense got side bushwhacked by, by the world and we say well, 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 well we just got to have it we got to have we got to have the little shiny plaything in the window no you don't have to sh- have the shiny little plaything in the window when the magazines come ladies just throw them out okay you don't have to go window shopping in the privacy of your own home get rid of them if you're already owing people money stop looking now if you got money to spend spend it wisely enjoy it enjoy getting a nice couch for your living room you, you do understand what that means, don't you? How, how, many, how many remember when you, when you got married, you had kids, and you had that big orange thing in the living room? All right? And it was never used to sit on. It was used as a trampoline or a ladder. And yet for many, many years, that is what was in your home. And yet these people, and, and God love you if you're one of them, but 25, 26 years old or younger, go out and buy this brand new furniture set. Then they have children. And you know what their children do to it? Same thing you did to that old orange thing. Yes, they destroy it. You know kids poke holes in that leather? No. Yes, they will. If you just bought a new furniture set, you don't have kids, don't have kids. They're going to destroy it. All right, I promise you that. You say, oh my word, what are we going to do? You're going to deal with it. But stop, folks. We, we've got to spend it wisely. And in, in Christianity, we've lost the concept of doing that. We have gone out and we've said, I want to be like the world. The world's in debt up to their eyeballs. The world is un... Folks, have any of you just watched as places all over the country have been foreclosed one after another? Why did that happen? The economy got tough. Times were difficult. But people owed too much money and could not pay their bills lost their homes, and I feel badly for them. I do. I had to deal with them, few in our community that way, and tried to help them as best we could. But they, most of them, folks, it wasn't that they just owed a house payment. It's that they had two car payments. They owed, they owed slumberland money. They owed all these debtors money and, and couldn't pay it. I, I just I looked at them and said, folks, why did you do that? Well, we had the money at the time. No, you didn't. If the, bill, if the price tag says $1,500 and you don't have $1,500, you don't have the money. I know it says $49 a month until you die, but you don't have the money. And folks, I know for some of you this is offensive to you. You say, well, well, well why are you trying to, I'm not trying, to, I'm trying to help you. I want us as a church to get our feet on the solid rock. And folks, I want us to understand that God has a plan for this area. God has a plan for my eternity, praise God. God has a plan for my marriage. God has a plan for my kids. God has a plan for this church. God also has a plan for finances and money. And folks, it is time that we as Christians say, we are going to live responsibly instead of over our heads. 
is when the Lord comes to you and says, hey, you need to give to missions. Hey, that, 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 that little fellow over there that's going through a tough time right now, and you know they're doing their best to pay their bills, you go be a blessing to them. Turn your cell phone off, please. But folks, would you understand tonight? See, many of us have gotten away from the biblical model. We have stopped. It's the Lord calling, amen? We have stopped taking biblical counsel. And it's wreaking havoc. There are a number of Christians who don't think they can tithe. Can I tell you, you forfeit the blessing of God on your life. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mad and be angry at you. But you've put yourself in a very dangerous situation. God's commanded you to do something, and you can't. You say, well, well God will forgive me. Yes, he will. God is gracious. But I want God's blessing upon my life. So I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to obey him. Tonight, Christian, could I just challenge you, please? Number one, give your tithe. Number two, pay your debtors. Number three, give. Number four, save an inheritance to your children's children. That is two generations. And lastly, spend wisely. Don't just spend it because you got it. Easy come, easy go. No, 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 no. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned is that your time is your life. If I work 40 hours to earn $400, that means that every hour I spent cost me 10 bucks. That means when I go to McDonald's, I'm ordering off the dollar menu. I don't want to spend an hour of my life to eat a meal that's going to kill me six years sooner. <laughs> Folks, tonight, I just, you say, Pastor, this is a goofy message, man. I know it's a goofy message. I wish we'd follow it. You teach your kids, okay? You, you got eight, nine, ten-year-olds in your home. My son, he got a job this week. He's going to mow a lady's lawn this summer every Thursday. Man, was he proud. Went home and told, Mom, the lady I work for wants me to come back every week. <laughs> she paid him 20 bucks. That's more than I make an hour, amen? <laughs> Crazy. But we took out a bunch of envelopes, and we said, Son, this is what you give to God. Do you have any bills? He's about to. <laughs> Making money like that. But we said, son, this is what goes to God. This is what's going to go in your bank account. And this is what goes in your wallet. What goes in your wallet ain't a lot. But if he wants something, he'll save for it. His mom and dad don't need to buy it. Amen? Now you're on your own, kid. We're cutting you loose. But teach your kids and grandparents, teach your grandkids. Because we live in a world that has no sense. God gave us some verses to put this in the in the motion. Tonight, can I encourage you to do so? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We're just going to have a very brief invitation. If you're here tonight, and friend, we, we've not talked about salvation, but God does have a plan for your eternity. God sent His only begotten Son 2,000 years ago. His Son died on the cross, shed His blood, gave His, gave his body to be broken. He was put in a grave, mutilated, not even recognizable, but put in a tomb. And three days later, the Bible teaches us that He came out of that tomb. And He rose to bring eternal life to us. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted God's gift of salvation, if you don't... 
if you haven't accepted God's plan for eternity, would you tonight, during the invitation, get my attention, and would you let God have His way with you? And Christian, tonight, I don't know, maybe the Lord's talked to you about something. Maybe you're not giving God what is rightfully His. Maybe you're not paying your bills or your debtors like you ought to. Maybe there's some other things that you need to do. Could I encourage you, just come to the altar if the Lord lays it on your heart as the instruments begin to play.